that's the reality as they go around terrorizing. And, of course, they don't really care why they're doing it. They know that uh, Hussein had nothing to do with 9-11. That came out at the inquiry. Mr. Bush said it himself when he admitted to the world. I never said that Hussein had anything to do with 9-11. I just think he was a bad man. The world's better off without him. Well, that's quite a comment for the guy who's supposed to be the president of a country, the biggest country, most wealthiest country to say. That's what tyrants say. You get rid of somebody because you didn't like them. We back up to these messages. for the name Wall Street in with the original capital of New York, which was Kingston, New York. Yeah, Kingston. Before yeah. Kingston was burned, they were, they, that was the New York, that was the, the capital of New York, the state. Yes. But my point is that the Dutch colonized Kingston, New York. They, it was called Wildwoods at that time in 1650, approximately. Yep. at which time different people came, including Jews and other people from various religions. Mm-hmm. The Jews, according to their custom, set up a wall for their animal sacrifices, and according to Jewish custom, business has always been conducted at the same time that the animals are sacrificed. So that was actually the beginning of the stock market. Yeah. And then after Kingston was burned out by... And that's why they call it the stock market. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why they, they use animal terms for stock market. Fabulous. Yeah, you have a bear market and you have a bull market. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for letting me add that tidbit and for you to, for you adding my knowledge. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and also that's interesting. To... That's how the uh, United Nations was donated to the, the, their land by Rockefeller, and that was the largest kosher slaughterhouse in New York as well. Well, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you sure know a lot about about my subject, so I better just uh, go back to, to listening to you. Well, thanks for calling in. And I want to thank you very much. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye now. Now, this is Darren from Rhode Island. Are you there? Hello, Alan. Hello. Yes, um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you've uh, discussed about um, the plan to use Britain as the world's police force, then the United States, and then you've talked about uh, planning to put into place China as the world's police force. Now, 
there a timeline for that, or could you elaborate on that? Well, I know that Arnold Toynbee, who taught at Oxford University, he took over from his father, also by the same name, Arnold Toynbee, professor, and he, he, he spoke on behalf of the internationalists. He led internationalist rallies, in fact, and talked with uh, an exoteric tongue and an esoteric tongue in the same speeches. But he did talk about, uh, in, in his own books, he wrote, a, I think, a 12 or 13 cent uh, um, compendium of history. And he also was a member of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And so, and he went to all their meetings. Now, he talked about the role of Britain uh, had, had been to create, take over and create uh, an empire because there have always been empires where the wealthy move out, move in, leave the money, money or take the money from the ones they leave behind and they collapse. And then they move into the new house, so to speak, and make it prosper because all their shipping will then come in there. Uh, but he talked about how Britain had, had led that field for centuries and how uh, in the beginning of the 1900s after World War I or during World War I, they realized they'd have to pass the torch on to the United States to take over and lead this. And from there you can go from Professor Carl Quigley, who talks about the Anglo-American establishment and how the same families who are related, uh, who go back to the opium wars, they made, their, made millions of opium wars, they've always been involved with drugs and bringing down countries through all kinds of means and taking over the wealth of those countries. He, talk, he, he goes on further to explain it, but getting back to Toynbee, Toynbee talked about how the U.S. Um, this is from one of the meetings at the, at the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations, and he said that the U.S. would would lead the field. This is after World War II, and towards the end, he says, or towards the end, before the millennium was out, they'd, they'd, they'd falter, they'd have a setback. Uh, because industry would start moving out. Then, he said, they would rally again and maybe have a couple more victories. Now, we, we had Vietnam, and it sort of fell, fell backwards. And um, then you had little ones after that. He said, then eventually it will fall again after the main one, which they appear to be winning. And then China was set to, would be set by that time and into the next millennium to, to uh, take over as a policeman of the world. So uh, basically, in the 21st century, sometime China will take over as the economic and military superpower. That's right. Uh, that's right, and, and we're pretty well there. The U.S. Yeah. has one last job to do, and that's to standardize the the, the complete Middle East under the same system. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, I read from a reporter. Uh, it was in a newspaper. Uh, he, was an, he was one of the advisors uh, around the, the president, and he, he blurted out something. He says, well, there's always been an empire, he says, and this is the empire of, of, uh, of the new American century. That's the group this, this, this crowd all belong to. And, and he said, he said, we shall give you your thoughts, and you'll believe them, and we'll give you different versions of the thoughts. Then you'll believe them, too. He says, you'll believe whatever we tell you to believe. That's how arrogant they are. But, yeah, China is the, the, the main manufacturer now, and in their own economic laws, those who do the production are the ones who always end up with the strongest country. That's what made America prosperous was all industry. And uh, China's taken over. We're now a service economy back here. And service economies, according, again, to the same economists that, that amalgamated Europe, 
can only paddle the water for so long before you go under because you don't produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't pay the tax money. The tax base will be in China. Mm, yeah, that's largely what the United States has become, uh, a service sector economy. Yes. Um, so that you, so you, it really um, it will come down to fulfilling the U.S. in respect to the United States, uh, uh, do, finishing off the job in the Middle East and keep us, yes. them, you know, so to speak, keeping us going until that job is finished. But then once that's done, they'll just basically pull the plug, pull out, and establish China as the new superpower. Yeah, Jacques Attali, who was the advisor to various French presidents and who was one of the spear leaders who drew up the European Union, uh, he wrote a book called Millennium, uh, Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order published about 1990 or 91, uh, before he left and went as a, to one of the head departments of the United Nations. So get a hold of that book. And in it, he says there, he said, um, the next boat people will be those leaving the Americas, mainly the U.S., uh, looking for work abroad because there'll be none at home because all the infrastructure has been pulled out of the of, of home. And that's, that's happened, you see. There, all the factories are now in China, and uh, that was done deliberately. And as they're, you're fin- finishing off the Middle East, they're, they're already devaluating your dollar because you have to merge with Canada by 2010. Mm-hmm. That was all agreed with the free trade negotiations before the NAFTA negotiations. And now they're signing it every year. And they have three more to do to 2010. You'll see uh, Hoover's in next year uh, and uh, the prime ministers of Canada and Mexico signing the next agreement. These are all further integrations. We're interlocked now. And they admit on the news in Canada uh, that your security agencies, your CIA, FBI, are totally integrated with those of Canada. They're also merging the tax base, by the way. I don't know if you know about that. They're merging the tax base and all import duties together into the same system. In fact, certain high bureaucrats in Ottawa and Canada can now, in certain departments, can look for equivalent jobs stateside. They can ask for a transfer to to the ones in Washington, D.C., and vice versa. We are integrated already. Yes, that's certainly true. So they uh, discuss how Americans will be fleeing the United States into other countries, such as China? Uh, Wherever they can get in. Wherever wherever they can get a job. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's that's very interesting. All right, thanks a lot, Alan. Thanks for calling. And this Rick in Nevada. Are you there, Rick? Thanks for having me, Alan. How are you? Good, are you? I'm surviving here. <laughs> Good. I have uh, three or four points I'd like to make quickly and then get your feedback on them, if I may. Okay. First off, it's a very uh, uh, recent development, uh, and that is the rapid disappearance of the machine tool industry in the United States, which represents not only uh, part of the means of production, but the means of self-defense for a country. Also, the uh, United Nations has been outfitted with ammunition, which will penetrate uh, the armor of local police forces in the United States. Yes. This is a cause for concern. Mm -hmm. And my third and fourth points are the... Uh, Sunni Arab Muslim uh, group, which recently uh, sided with the United States military against uh, Al-Qaeda, yeah. 
I have to admit that uh, I find this a cause for concern because this may be, give people the false belief that the, this is, after all, a just war when it is, in fact, an unjust war and a genocide. It is a genocide. I've got so much footage come in uh, of uh, people blown up and shot down and children and women and, and the U.S. troops. I mean, kicking, kicking these people like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I don't it's, doubt it. it's, it's disgusting. Uh, quickly, I'd like to state also that uh, the uh, impending nuclear attack or war against Iran, uh, we need to oppose this at all costs. Yes. Thank Absolutely. you. I'll be back after the following messages. had the right to rule over them 
and and use them for workers before even before they used taxes. That taxes came later. They used the people for workers, like slaves, and they actually taught them this was normal. This was a normal way of life. In India, they, they, they taught people uh, that uh, it was your karma. That's why you were a slave, and they taught you to believe that. And so you never thought about uh, becoming something higher. You were you were taught it was impossible to get bad karma, and so you accepted your lot in life. And that's how they all rationalized it with each other and their tremendous, awful poverty. And Egypt did the same thing, and it goes on today. However, for the last few hundred years, since at least the advent of the term democracy, which was a front for the system, as the politicians are, their front groups, the same aristocracy and elites still run the world today. Are there any examples, though, in history that you can think of where um, a culture effectively combated this system? Because it's so linear, the way you explain history, it's almost like it's an unbroken chain of oppression. Yeah, there's there... down through the ages has been people, the Spartans tried to keep their own monetary system, and the trapezi, the money lenders, they called them, came in, and they already had wars all over that area as it took country after country down bribed off the local priests and uh, had them working on the public's minds but uh, the Spartans stood them off for a long time, an awful long time in fact and um, they continued to use iron an easily uh, uh, obtainable uh, form of currency they, they used iron to the bitter end rather than accept the gold and silver that came in by these looters and these characters who had access to all the gold and silver mines. I guess I guess it's timely because you know Alex Jones's uh, film Endgame's coming out, and yeah. it's it's at this point in history where I feel I feel just I believe that you know it's it's for the whole shooting match. We we've got to have some way of yes. finally once and for all. Yeah. Being well, done. what it is is that even the ones we can see who are fronts, we got to start demanding to know all about them, whatever association they have been or are um, or have given their allegiance to, even if they claim that they've come out of the Council on Foreign Relations to run for politics, that's what they say, that's what they tell you, that doesn't happen. They're always meeting with the same peer groups. And you already know what, what high global associations they already belong to. You've got to find out who's funding them. That's very important, very telling. And their, their lives have got to be an open book for the first time. And we've got to stop complying with everything they do so blindly and, and like uh, cringing cowards. And that there are many passive ways to do it because all down through the ages they need your compliance to, to, to make their system work and happen. But do you believe um, another person I listen to is, is Mr. Bill Deagle and one of his philosophies is that we're passing through a nexus where it's the end of their... Right, and that there is a new uh, system coming, and that that we're just sensing the first birth pains of of what's happening, and and the fact that we are waking up, and so it's huge. Numbers. We're waking up, and and again, I, I don't, I want to caution people not scare them, but don't forget that they plan in centuries ahead, like big corporations do. Big corporations plan the next hundred years of investments, even. Uh, and that's how they plan the future. They also uh, look out to see what the counter-reactions to their agenda will be at every point. So how do we snap out? That's my question. We, we snap out and stop following blindly the leaders they present to us. And, you, and start becoming humane again to each other. I'll be back after the following messages. Hang on the line. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Stadmiller. I'll be on Cutting Through the Matrix after one hour has passed, in which I hope to warm my dinner and eat it and do all the other things I have to do for tonight, including get the wood in. It's rather wet wood because it's raining like crazy out here and has been for days. We're all shrinking and I think it's really a plot to make us all small so we can fit in matchboxes and, and that'll solve all their problems with, with eating up the world's resources, won't it? But getting back to what I was saying, this, this system is all pervasive. It's, it's been given to us as our reality. And it's a hard thing for people to break through that most of those things have come to love and, and even when words will prompt you like Pav- Pavlos dogs to cry do with your country, national anthems, all those kind of things, these Pavlovian techniques and responses using tribalism, which is instinctive with us all, and the, the, the responses we give them uh, using a sign over the heart, which was all the way back to the Egyptians, as in my books. People should buy them and read them. I show you these statues with the same uh, hand over the heart stuff and by the nobility of, of Egypt. And we got to realize that then he does, then he does always every step of the way to comply with them. And that's why in wartime, the first casualty of war is the truth. It's the first thing that goes out the window because wars are planned. They don't happen spontaneously. They're always planned. And you find even with the School of the Americas that's based at Fort Bragg, they now changed the name to a much more fuzzy, nice-sounding name, some of the School of the World or something since the world is a target where they train people to go all over the planet uh, as terrorists working for the government and start wars. We've got to stop supporting all of this so quietly and calmly and live in fear all the time. When your own government makes you afraid, you know something stinks to high heaven, something is rotten somewhere, and you better go by your instincts. You've got to start talking about it, run all keep quiet and change the topics onto nice fuzzy things or what's on television or the latest sports results. You've got to go back into it and, and talk to people about things that they have to talk about because it involves everyone here. Uh, this is not a nice agenda. It's a global agenda. Uh, the U.S. has pretty well financed it through the taxpayers' money. They've kept the United Nations afloat, that other big front for the big corporations, this world system. And the corporations are all in bed with the big foundations, and the media, all, and with all the old establishment, the establishment of the established families that go down through the ages, holding on to the wealth, always getting more, always profiting, and always keeping it in the families. It's been like that for thousands of years. And it's got to stop. And they hope to use high technology, all the stuff that we paid for during the Cold War, was to track tracers and monitors. And I've read lots uh, about that from their own sources. And we've got to stop stop this before it gets any further. It's it's gone too far already. In fact, someone has to eventually, in a new system, come in and throw all those laws out the window because we have the right to privacy. Uh, People had wars in the past because there was no privacy when we lived in the feudal system. But now we're going into the new type of corporate feudalism, as Carl quickly called it, where the CEOs will run the world. 
the big pirates, uh, then we're going back into the same feudal system where there's no privacy. We're all owned, and we can't have that, can we? Now, here's a get on that topic there. He's an Intel official saying in the U.S., uh, goodbye to privacy. This was called November the 11th, 11.39, on my way. And it says here by Pamela Hess, Washington, top intelligence official, says it's time that people in the United States change their definition of privacy. Remember, Bush changed the definition of freedom. He called it the new freedom. You better look into that because that really was an official statement there, a legal statement. It's been changed. So now you have to change your definition of privacy. It's time you all changed it according to this, this particular official. Privacy no longer can mean anonymity, says Donald Kerr, the principal deputy director of national intelligence. Instead, it should mean that government and businesses properly safeguard people's private communications and financial information. Kerr's comments come as Congress is taking a second look at the Foreign Surveillance Act, Intelligence Act. Lawmakers hastily changed the 1978 law last summer to allow the government to eavesdrop inside the United States without court permission, so long as one end of the conversation was reasonably believed to be located outside the U.S. That means, I guess, outside Washington, D.C. The original law required a court order for any surveillance conducted on U.S. soil to protect Americans' privacy. The White House argued that the law was obstructing intelligence gathering which is snooping. The most contentious issue in the new legislation is whether to shield telecommunications companies from civil lawsuits for allegedly giving the government's access to people's private emails and phone calls without a court order from 2001 to 2007. Some lawmakers, including members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, appear reluctant to grant immunity. Suits might be the only way to determine how far the government has burrowed into people's privacy without court permission. The committee is expected to decide this week whether its version of the bill will protect telecommunications companies. The central witness in a California lawsuit against AT&T, oh, that keeps coming up, eh? AT&T, says the government is vacuuming up billions of emails and phone calls as they pass through an AT&T switching station in San Francisco. Mark Klein, a retired AT&T technician, helped connect a device in 2003 that he says diverted and copied onto a government supercomputer every call, email, and Internet site access on AT&T lines. So there you go. That's your privacy for you. It's gone down the tube or really down the telephone line. And it was designed that way because the beautiful New World Order is a world I read last week on my own show, I talked about the fact that every citizen will be surveyed completely. And I read from the guys who actually made the statements, uh, look into my sites and you'll find them all. I use the real data. I don't go into outer space to get it. I don't look for walking reptilians or crocodiles that have evolved. I just tell you what the big boys themselves put out for you to follow. And we should take we should take some notice of what they actually say. So now they're going after your, your privacy. Actually, they're giving themselves reasons uh, to do it. They've been doing it for donkeys years before 9-11. They just want to make it all nice and legal. And in ancient times, you used to get um, decrees by kings and queens. Royal decrees, that was a law. You just said something and it was a law. And then you had papal bulls for centuries when the Catholic Church ruled. And you had papal bulls, that was the law. 
And then, of course, we had legislation and bills, and then they called it the legal system. And it's the same old thing. It's what they say is law is law. And uh, if you lived uh, in a little place in New York in the 20s, if the mafia came into your store and said, you'll do this, this, and this, well, that was him giving you the law. Uh, that's what law is. It's, it's an order with the threat of the use of force to be followed by force if you don't comply. That's what law is, in fact. And the whole judiciary system came out of the old French system, the feudal system, where the knights contended on the battlefield. That's what they call it, a court. It's a court of law because they had the contest on a court in front of the king and queen. And the peasantry, you see, could not defend themselves. You couldn't get up on a horse and charge somebody across there because you were of lesser birth. So you needed a champion today to call in lawyers and tell you to keep your mouth shut in court because you're a peasant, you see. And use a lot of terminology you don't understand. And all it is is a battle between different terminology and which one knows the most. And uh, that's, how they, that's how they decide their battles. Uh, the, the, the accused generally has nothing to do with it. It's on the sidelines as these two go through their routines with each other to show how witty they are. That's what law is. It's a scam. And uh, I think Devil's Advocate was a great movie, actually. Um, and Pacino played the part very, very well, uh, showing you what the devil was, in a sense. And he says a statement in there from the biggest law office in New York. He says, he says, you know how we're taking over the world? He says, by laws. Every year we turn out thousands more from universities. We're, taking, we're creating armies of lawyers. And that's what they've done. There's no one employs more lawyers than governments, right down to your local governments. And it's all to do with the wording. In the beginning was the word, and God spoke it into existence. So the reality is spoken into existence with language, you see. And, um, and we comply, because we're taught to believe one version of the word. We don't get the higher versions of the word. You have to think about them, and you can figure them out quite easily. But that's what it really means. In the beginning was the word. You speak the word into existence. You must speak it. And proclamations is how they used to call it. They proclaimed the proclamations out. And you all obeyed. And that was law. And I think Matsy Tung said law came from the barrel of a gun. That was his form of law. The mafia would agree with that too. And so did the big boys. Because if you don't pay your property taxes or whatever else they're after, uh, they come in with their heavies. They give them different titles, but they're still heavies, and they will beat you up or kill you. And that's what big gangs do. They employ the lesser henchmen down below to do their jobs. And even in the mafia, they had lieutenants and captains and all the rest of it, and we have the same thing happening here. You're taught to perceive extortion in a different way by, by all the propaganda that's being put into you. I think the best author on the law or legal system who went to work at the United Nations and the best sociologist in the world was Jax E. Lowell, that's E-L-L-U-L. -L -L. read his books, he points it out, it actually is. He said, all the movies you've watched, all the detective series on television, hospital dramas and so on, and courtroom dramas are all propaganda to elevate those systems in your mind into a supernatural, almost superhuman system. So you, you kowtow down to it, you believe in it, you worship it, you feel inferior, and you leave it all up to them, because these are institutions which are going to run your lives in the very near future. You see the laws coming out now from the medical side of things, but all the inoculations they want is to, to give you, that's imperative for them, because down through the ages, these bankers also, and they still do, own the big pharmaceutical agencies. The same bankers that lend to countries 
are the same guys who own the big pharmaceutical agencies. And in ancient Egypt, the big, the big merchants as well had the same scam. They ran the gold, the silver into the country. They brought the merchandising in and sold it. But they also ran the drug industry, even in those days. And they've even done autopsies on old mummies and found opium and heroin, of all things, heroin and coke. Now, coke comes from Latin America, from the coca tree. That tells you they'd already been across the world in those days. And that was a, a, a film put out, a documentary from France. They did a, a, a modern autopsy on some of the, the old mummies they found, the pharaohs in Egypt, and found pure cocaine in it, in their, in, in their, in their the stomachs, which were kept in canopy jars, canopic jars. And it's a pure substance. It doesn't deteriorate over time. So it was easily identified. So it's quite amazing to see the same system going down through the ages and they run the legal system on the outside world for the people to believe in and they run the underworld as well as above so below as they say so they run when they can't do it legally it would tick off the public or, or worry them uh, they simply get the underworld to do the dirty work for them but one way or another they always get what they want and if you look into the histories of the Rothschilds for instance their name was Bauer Bayer uh, they still own one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world, and so did the other big ones, too, uh, own Sandoz and other companies, the big boys who make the drugs. But they also run the other side of the drug industry because those big boys financed the wars. They financed Britain and the U.S. and the opium wars against China, and that's how they brought China down. They brought in all uh, bales of opium from India and Afghanistan, because that was, a, that was the opium triangle, as it was called at the time, the Crescent. And uh, they brought it in in ships and, and dumped it into China to addict as many people as possible to bring down the will of the Chinese not to, not to resist them and bring the culture in. They wanted to get in and loot the country. And for a while, they did get a hold on, on eastern China. They had divisions on the seaports, split up between the French, the Americans, the British, and so on, until the Boxer Rebellion, and, and the Boxers kicked them out. So, but they never gave up, of course, never gave up. So the better way to do it was to eventually pay off the guys, give them a system called communism. They all thought they were going to have uh, their own everything, uh, put in your own men at the top, and then you, you, you industrialize them down the road and they become the top communist capitalists of the world. Quite an amazing system, isn't it? Because officially China is still called communist, although they're running the biggest capitalist system of industry we've ever seen. And we're supposed to believe all this is quite natural, but the same bankers made China, the same official establishment, old families made China what they are today. And they own China. They own the top officials there too. Uh, it's all done through brotherhoods and associations and fraternities, by the way, uh, right down to the, to, the, to the lower officials. So nothing has changed in the system. If you behave well and you work towards the great work, as they call it, uh, they give you knighthoods. And it's quite amazing that after the 1800s, uh, when the, the, the second constitution was created in the U.S., uh, that they agreed not to give official titles to any American politicians or citizens. Well, look how many have been made sir in the last 20, 30 years. So Kissinger and, and different ones have all gone over there and been knighted by the Queen. And no one talks about the fact that they, they were not supposed to be so because they now work for the Queen, who's still under uh, 
their own titles run and own a good part of the world. They own the countries. The Commonwealth countries are not democracies as you think they are because every official in Canada, Australia, New Zealand and other countries swears allegiance only to the crown, to the queen and all her descendants to come, not to the country they're serving. That's how real it still is. So democracy was a, a sham to begin with. But it was a good sham because they found uh, from the 1700s that people would eventually rebel every five or six years. And so what you do is you get an election every four or five years and they vote the, 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 the last bunch of corrupt guys out and get the new bunch of corrupt guys in. That's how democracy works. It stalls, it stalls rebellion. It, it's a, it gives a, it's a placebo to the public and the elite can go on their merry way with their plans, which is a global society, and they published much about the global system they wanted to bring in. The United Nations, uh, again, that beautiful straw dog there, that goes under the, the beneficent um, sham of helping, uh, and actually is the biggest war hog on the planet. I tell Orlando so much they helped them as they denied all the stuff sent in by General Romeo Dallaire. When he sent in all the reports about the impending catastrophe and the UN kept uh, uh, telling them to keep quiet and just sit there, etc. And then the slaughter started and, and continued unabated. And it broke that man pretty well, pretty well broke him uh, living through that. He could not figure out, and still hasn't, by the way, uh, that the UN uh, didn't done that deliberately because they don't want what they call useless eaters. Now, we're back after the following messages. Keep your head down, it's going to be no use in this one. 
And for those who want to go into the spiritual side of things, well, what is spirit? It's the activating force it's in you, the life they called it. Those who had no spirit, they called the dead. You let the dead bury their dead in all ages. That was the esoteric meaning all down through the ages. Uh, those who were trying to walk, those who were crippled but trying to walk, meant those who were waking up and trying to, to walk in the footsteps of those who knew. That's what it always meant. You give the information to those ones. They don't know all the facts. Give them the facts and they will become active, they'll walk very quickly. And those that don't want to see, they're the blind. Uh, you can have a hard time making the blind see. They don't want to see, that's a choice. But you can also get through to some of them eventually with persistence. And that's how things are done, because it's our lives that are at stake, it's the children that are coming up, their lives are at stake, and those who are yet to be born as normal human beings and not these modified types of beautiful new slaves for the elite's utopia. That's what we're facing, and that's what we're fighting for. And there's many passive ways to do it, and we have the rights to do it as well. And we've got to start by demanding to know everything, everything and every association that these characters, right to your school board, right up the whole way up the ladder to the top, what associations they already belong to, and go into their family histories, because that'll tell you more than what they'll ever admit to. And leopards don't change their spots unless they're genetically modified. And so you'll, you'll find the dirt there. The dirt is always there. We're run by a system of gangsters, uh, very well-educated gangsters that front for them on television as spokesmen and so on, but gangsters nonetheless. And uh, we've got to get rid of this, this system. Uh, it will either kill us all off or eventually we've got to change it one way or another, but we have no option. And we owe it to those who've gone before and didn't know and who suffered and went through war after war as well. And we owe it to all those who are yet unborn, who will come up into a different kind of world, this brave new world of Huxley. It's a nightmare uh, for ordinary people. We are drugged and altered and all the rest of it your whole life long. We can't allow that to happen. And that's the system they want to bring in. For those that want my, my stuff, uh, see what I've got for sale, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I'll be back in one hour. Good night for now. <laughs> 